Sometimes going to the grocery store can be chaotic. There doesn't seem to be enough time to check the list, make sure everything is there, search for the best prices, and take the time to make sure you get the best quality meat. So let ButcherBox help you out. Giving you peace of mind, ButcherBox delivers high-quality meat and seafood that you can trust straight to your door. No grocery carts required. Humanely raised, no antibiotics or hormones, 100% grass-fed, free-range, and crate-free, what more can you ask for? What about free shipping, customized box plans, exclusive member deals, recipe inspirations, tips, and tricks? You really can't go wrong with ButcherBox. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breasts, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and use code morning cup to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. Hi, I'm Karina Bemisterfer, host of Morning Cup of Murder, your daily true crime podcast. Yes, you heard me right. Daily true crime. Every day, Morning Cup of Murder tells you a straightforward, short form story about murder, true crime, cold cases, disappearances, serial killers, cults, and more. And I do that all in under 15 minutes. With over three years of stories and over 20 million downloads, the Morning Cup of Murder podcast has become a staple of so many people's daily routines. So, why not add it to yours? Stream Morning Cup of Murder everywhere you listen to podcasts, and remember, stay safe. There were two more murders 15 miles when away. When arrived, they found the telephone and electricity line. Weird described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religion. Morning Cup of Murder. Head trauma. It's a telltale sign in the stories we tell that someone is going to change their personality completely and often for the worse. On November 2nd, 1999, a man walked into his workplace and made his fellow co-workers pay for the gossip he thought they were spreading. So if you like your coffee hot, but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Byron Koji Uesugi was born and raised in Honolulu, Hawaii, and was known as the quiet, well-behaved member of JROTC who didn't have a lot of friends but never really got into any trouble. He was a good kid whose personality changed drastically after a car crash in 1977 when his head hit the windshield of the car. After that, he was known as the strange guy, the man who talked incessantly about his koi fish and goldfish that he bred and gave out as gifts, had an extensive collection of firearms, and seemed to constantly retreat into his own head. Then he started working as a technician at Xerox in 1984 and began complaining about a poking sensation in his head. Then came the complaints. He swore that his co-workers were harassing him, spreading unfounded rumors, and that some of his fellow repairmen were tampering with the products. He became difficult to work with, and many of the employees began ostracizing him, which only made him feel more isolated. These accusations turned into threats, and Byron was forced to undergo psychiatric evaluation and anger management after he kicked an elevator door and caused some damage, and an arrest for third-degree property damage. While all of this was happening, Xerox as a whole was phasing out the type of photocopier that Byron serviced. They attempted to train him on the replacement machine, but he refused, saying he could not keep up with the technical demands. 
His management finally put their foot down and scheduled Byron to begin training on November 1st, 1999. Byron, who at this point had made offhanded comments about the tragedy that would ensue if he was fired, believed that if he refused to attend his training, he would be out of a job. So he decided to give them a reason to fire him. November 2nd, 1999 started out like any typical day at the Xerox company. That was until Byron Uesugi walked in just after 8 a.m. carrying a 9mm handgun. When the dust settled, eight people had been shot, seven of which died from their injuries, making it the worst mass murder in Hawaiian history. Six of those who lost their lives were co-workers, and the last was his supervisor. Their names were Jason Balatico, Ford Kenihira, Ronald Karioka, Ronald Kawame, Melvin Lee, Peter Mark, and John Sakamoto. Once the shooting was done, Byron fled the scene in the company van and parked it at the Hawaiian Nature Center at Makiki. There, a standoff with police began that would last five hours, during which Byron held his weapon while smoking cigarettes and reading magazines. The standoff was particularly tense because inside of the nature center were 35 school children who were trapped inside with no food and no water. Eventually, around 3 p.m., Byron surrendered and was brought into custody. Byron Yusugi's trial began on May 15, 2000, where he was charged with one count of first-degree murder, seven of second-degree murder, and one of attempted murder. He pled guilty by reason of insanity, citing the feelings he carried about his co-workers and the fear that he was about to lose his job. Two doctors testified for the defense that Byron, who believed people were tampering with his beloved fish, was criminally insane. However, the doctor on the prosecution side, while agreeing that he fit the criteria for a schizophrenia diagnosis, did not meet the criteria to be considered insane that he was in his right mind enough to understand that what he did was wrong and should be charged as such. On June 13, 2000, after a month-long trial, the jury rejected the insanity defense and found Byron guilty. On August 8th, he was sentenced to two sentences of life without the possibility of parole. A parole board would later order him to serve a minimum of 235 years, the longest ever ordered in the history of Hawaii. Byron was also ordered to pay $500 in restitution and $70,000 to the Victims' Compensation Fund. In 2005, Xerox and the hospital that examined Byron settled a lawsuit that the families of the victims filed on the grounds that, had they taken preventative action when the warning signs were presented to them, then their family members would still be alive. Since then, the state passed a law that requires doctors to reveal information about the mental state of a person before they can purchase a firearm. Oh, and one last interesting fact. The Xerox company vacated the premises after the shooting where it sat vacant until 2004 when a television company purchased it to be used as a soundstage for their soon-to-be hit television show. That show was lost. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on November 3rd. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Hold on, the computer went dark. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This daily true crime podcast can be found on Twitter, 
Instagram, and Facebook by searching Morning Cup of Murder. I'd love it if you stopped by and said hi. Stay safe.